All right, Yitrachier here, Discussions of Truth. This is, uh, I don't know what number episode it is, but we're in the hundreds here. I've uh, been, doing, been doing these since uh, 2016. And, uh, and, and the, the, the reason behind it, back in the fall, late summer, fall of 2016, uh, is that what I just said? 2016, uh, was the Zika virus. And, um, today's guest, now it's been, it's been, it's been a, it's, it's, it's been, I, I, I have not been consistent with the shows for a few months now. Um, late spring, early summer of 2022 is when I began getting, uh, getting into, uh, really wrapping up the book uh, that I was, uh, that I was doing. Um, and, uh, um, and I, I simply concentrated, was concentrating on that. Now today's guest is really the reason that I wrote the book. Um, and, uh, and I'll get, get into what he's been doing, which is incredible, incredible. Really he's doing amazing work, but, uh, but of course, uh, we pull back. That's simply all we can do, right. As, as Americans, that's, it's, it's really simply all we can ask uh, of one another is that we um, that we uh, we just simply um, we just simply do um, what we can all do individually to bring to light justice, truth um, for. Uh, for the country, right? For the betterment of the Republic and, and really the constitution. I mean, the constitution is under fire, um, on, on so many different levels. Um, and you know, voting fraud is nothing new. Um, is nothing new. Uh, I, I urge you to look at vote scam. Uh, vote scam is a book published by the Collier brothers, C O L L I E R that goes into the, uh, collusion of IBM and uh, 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 mainstream media uh, and manipulating voting uh, voting voting machines uh, in, in the United States going back to LBJ. So the 2020 election, you know if you're if you're if you're sitting there or standing there, if you're listening to me and you're Saying to yourself, "There's that was the most um, uh, 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 honest and accurate election that the country's ever had." Um, you're fooling yourself. You're totally fooling yourself, because uh, frankly, I would suggest that um, I'm not sure how many, if any, election in the country has ever been uh, completely without fraud. Um, certainly not of the past um, 60 years or so. Uh, yeah, the two Bushes in, in the White House, and this is all, this is all tied into uh, international money, right? That's controlling uh, the American country, the American, the American co- uh, economy. Uh, David Ikes, a former guest on the show, and, and David, David will tell you exactly that the city of London 
is the main uh, the main um, the main orchestrator of global economics. Now I peel back a little bit further and I say, okay, well, what's going on at the what's going on in Switzerland, right? So what's going on with the Bank of International Settlements settlements that, that regulates central banks, regu- regulates this whole system. Uh, globally now we have the digital the onset of the digital digital reset right digitizing uh money uh, as we know it um, so th- you know these are things that i've asked and it all started with the zika virus with me uh, i'd been exposed to this virus that the local media was urging people to spray mosquito mis- spray off all these things and, and of course they were flu-like symptoms right the symptoms of the zika virus were flu-like symptoms and um just a good friend of mine rest in peace now passed away i passed away in 2019 as a matter of fact um invited me to a town hall meeting and from there uh i did i'd been invited on the windwood radio and i started doing this weekly show uh it was today's guest mark shaw that suggested after about i guess about a year year and a half of doing the show suggested that i do uh, that i write a book now the book, uh, yes, it's 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 taken 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 a while, and and and, and people like Zach Voorhees, Google whistleblower, a friend of mine. Um, he's 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 he started and completed and published his book in the in the time that it's taken for me to get mine out there. But I do have an agreement with Trine Day. I, I suspect that um, uh, that 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 is in in that, that the book is formatted. Uh, Chris has had the uh, has had the um, the manuscript now for a number of uh, number of weeks, and the last I heard about a month ago uh, it was we were getting very close. So I'm I'm hoping here uh, anytime if if, if 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 you have bought the book, I appreciate you buying the book. It's on its way. It's on its way. I I, uh, I let Chris do. He's he's on his own timeline. He's an independent publisher, and I'm honored honored that he uh, has given me given me an agreement. So I, I can't wait to have the book published. But I've already set. I've already set out to write a second one. I've already started on the second one. I've got chapter outlines uh, laid out. I've already started on the second one. So a second one coming uh, with any luck, uh, I should have that. Uh, I should have a large part of that written by uh, by by spring, best case scenario. Uh, this uh, No More Lies, Freedom Reserve No More Lies has taken four, five years to write. Things are not easy. Um, uh, as we know, none of this is easy. And you just you, you must keep pushing forward. So anyway, so that's the... That's where it all started. If this is the first time you've listened to me, this is where it all started. Miami Beach, Zika virus. Um, this was this was three years before the COVID fiasco. So this uh, you know this kind of uh, manipulation of the healthcare system in regards to your body and how that equates to advances in technology uh, and how I see it as advances in uh, uh, the 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 monetary system. Uh, this is nothing new. It's not going away. But there are other there are other things that 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 should gravitate to your attention. For instance, Social Media Freedom Foundation, Jason Fick. I've been working with him for about a year and a half uh, by way of invitation, really. Uh, 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 Ryan Hartwig, a Facebook whistleblower, um, that got me involved with Fick. And since I've been involved with Fick, I've gotten Louis Gomert involved, and he's retiring here soon uh, out of Texas. I've gotten uh, Jim Jordan. Privy to the situation, got him personally on the phone with 
with Jason. I was uh, during a visit to DC within the past six months. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and now of recent folks, uh, now of recent, I have, uh, Ted Cruz's office involved in the, so in, in looking at, looking at, we, I was on the, we were on the phone with him for about 30, 40 minutes the other day. So now they are now looking at what this constitutional challenge, Gomert was able to help push this constitutional, constitutional challenge forward through thick and his social media freedom foundation, which I am officially part of. Uh, and the, uh, the other person that I've got involved is Kathy McMorris Rogers. I was able to sit down in the Rayburn building with one of her assistants and get some things moving there. So you can make a difference. Okay. I, 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 I don't do this. I don't do this for monetary profit. I, I do this to save our freedoms folks. And, and, and if, if we don't each play our own part and do something, something, something in, in, in our day, we will lose our freedoms. They will, become obsolete, they'll be taken from us. Um, Josh Yoder, uh, U.S. Freedom Flyers, another good friend of mine, does great work. Um, and he uh, he is one of the main reasons that you and I don't have to board a plane vaccinated. You know, if you're not vaccinated and you are opposed to the mandate, which I am, I don't, I don't feel that, that that should ever be mandated on anyone. Uh, I'm going to say right now, it equates to rape. You can't inject somebody into somebody without their authorization and against their will. That is a rape. Okay, so a mandate on a vaccination is a rape. doesn't matter what the age is. Okay, if you, you have a child that you've given birth to and you do not want that child to be vaccinated, that is your decision to speak for that child. That's my opinion, open to debate. But certainly as an 18-year-old uh, or a cognizant adult, um, it is your choice whether you want to receive an injection of whatever it may be or not. Okay. Just like if you break your arm, that's up to you. You want to go to the hospital, get a cast, get it fixed, get a cast. It's up to you. You get a, a snake bite, go to the hospital, get some venom extracted. That's up to you. You have an, you have an issue, a health issue. That's totally up to you. It's your own decision, whether you want to go to a hospital or not. So, uh, there we are uh, with, with that. The other the other thing uh, before we I dial in, um, I dial Mark in here. Uh, the other thing that uh, that is of interest here is um, something something else, of course, that I've been working on uh, is another project. I won't, won't name the name, but it is a uh, a, a, a media project. Um, for those of you that are constitutional minded. Now, there might be those of you that are listening to me and saying, well, you know, we need to we need to we need to erase the Constitution. It needs to be rewritten. Um, you know, OK, yeah, that's that's fine. Let's 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 do that peacefully through legislation. I personally feel that the Constitution uh, retains those elements historically of what makes any government or society function healthy, healthy. So freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion, these are all core values that any uh, high-functioning society um, or country, be it in this case, uh, needs to retain in order to uh, be, a, uh, be a successful body um, or corpus. Uh, that's my opinion. So no, the Constitution, in my opinion, does not need to be altered or changed. But certainly there are amendments that could happen. Uh, the right to bear arms, for instance, that's a constitutional right. And uh, what that does uh, is it keeps big 
big brother or big uncle keeps big government small. Right? It, it, it's just a fact of it. That's just a fact of the. That's just a fact. You know, nobody likes violence. I mean, not that I know of. I mean, personally, I don't like violence. But that's where we're at. Is if you don't defend yourself against an overreach, or at least you don't pose that defense as an option, then you get overrun. Okay. If the United States did not have a massive military, which we all, if you're listening in the United States, we all benefit from, it keeps us safe, it keeps us secure. If you don't have that massive arm to defend you, you get overrun. You get destroyed. And that's just the reality uh, of life. So Mark Shaw, I'm going to ring in now. I think this is his fourth time joining the program. Fighting for justice, the improbable journey to exposing cover-ups about the JFK assassination and the deaths of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgallen. Mark Shaw, best-selling author of The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, and he did join us about five years ago to talk about that book. We're going to bring him on right now to talk about this newest book where he's connecting J. Edgar Hoover, Robert F. Kennedy, Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra, and of course, Dorothy Kilgallen and JFK. Okay. Bringing Mark on right now, I appreciate you uh, tuning in to discuss the truth. Share with a friend. IanTrottier.com. Mark Shaw, ladies and gentlemen. Spoke to him this morning. Hey, good afternoon. Mr. Mark Shaw, good afternoon to you, sir. Other thing in Florida. Where, no, where are you? You're in Montana or some damn place now. Where are you? Yes, that... <laughs> That's correct, Mark. That that's it's cold. It's negative uh, five at the moment. It's supposed to drop about twenty degrees tonight. Negative twenty-five. It's an Arctic blast coming through. I think the whole country's being affected by this. But uh, but yeah, it's a little chilly up these parts. Yeah, but everybody I've talked to that lives up there has said it doesn't matter. They just love it. They love the isolation. They love not so many people. They like the you know the beauty and all of that. I assume that's the same with you, right? Well, I got to a point, and I don't typically talk about this, Mark, but I got to a point, uh, and of course, uh, listeners, I had mentioned, uh, Mark, you are the reason. You know, we sat in that cafe in Burlingame. You suggested yeah. I write a book. Uh, that was your yeah. suggestion. Uh, and uh, Trine Day gave me, a, uh, gave me an agreement. That book is going to press as we speak. I mean, we're real close. We're real close, Mark. And... Um, you know, it's uh, the reason I decided to change the ambience was uh, just to kind of complete the book and, and let the thoughts process. So, yeah, Montana's a beautiful place, gorgeous state, um, a lot of fresh air. It's one of the last uh, best kept secrets, perhaps one would say, yeah, in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. I hope everything's going well and look forward to uh, getting a copy of that book. I'll, I'll buy one of the first ones. Let me know when it's up on uh, Amazon or someplace else, please. Okay, will do. Mark, you, you know, you, you, you are quick to throw, um, uh, to throw very nice comments my way, right? You're, you're very quick to, uh, uh, yeah. to compliment me, but, but, but you, sir, uh, you have really gotten into what is one of the, one of these issues. Now you don't, you, you don't, you haven't gotten into the assassination of the president per se, but some of the trails you've gone down have certainly run that course. Um, you have taken on the work of Dorothy Kilgallen, where before you got involved, nobody was bringing this to light. And I think this is the fourth time that you've been on the show. 
Mark, and, 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 and I know that you had a, a major movie agreement at one point in time. I don't know if you still have that, but you have done remarkable work to, and this is, you've gotten international attention, I'd assume, uh, to really bring to light what happened to this woman. And from, from the nexus of the reporter who knew too much, you've now brought in, which is astounding, uh, a connection to Marilyn Monroe. So, so Mark, bring us up to date here. What, what, what is, what is happening in the world of, uh, Dorothy Kilgallen in 2022? Well, it's, uh, it's an improbable journey and that's part of the, the, uh, uh, subtitle for the new book, Fighting for Justice, because, you know, frankly, I've had uh, an advantage over anybody who's ever looked into the JFK assassination or Marilyn Monroe's death or whatever, because uh, uh, years ago, uh, what, five, six years ago, uh, I came across this remarkable woman, uh, Dorothy Kilgallen. And uh, all I knew about her at the time, and I admit this, was that she was a, uh, she was a panelist on the um, popular CBS show, What's My Line, on CBS every night at every Sunday night at 10 o'clock, watched by about 10 million people, which was a huge audience then. And and she was great at, at guessing the uh, occupations. And so when I was working on a book about Melvin Belli, who was Jack Ruby's attorney, uh, you know, and who I practiced law with a bit in, in the in, in 1980s, uh, the gentleman who was a good friend of Belli said, well, you know Dor- about Dorothy Kilgallen, and, and, he, and she knew Melvin Belli. And I said, well, what? And he said, yes, yeah, she was at the Jack Ruby trial. And I said, i got to look into this woman. Well, it was, it was just, uh, you know, the Pandora's box, uh, to, to, to use a good term. Uh, she was a remarkable woman, college dropout, uh, became a celebrated journalist for the New York Journal American in, in New York City had her own column uh, that was syndicated to 200 newspapers across the country. Uh, she had a radio show listened to by a million people every day. And she had covered the Dr. Sam Shepard case, which became the, the fugitive uh, television show and movie, and the Charles Lindbergh case. So I started looking into Dorothy, and the first thing I found out was that how did Dorothy Kilgallen know Melvin Belli. Well, Dorothy was at the Ruby trial, and unlike you and me and anybody else who's ever looked into the assassination, she was there in the front row listening to Jack Ruby's uh, testimony, not believing a great deal of it uh, in his uh, statements he had made, uh, not believing a great deal of it. And and uh, immediately she turned herself towards uh, Jack Ruby because she was the only reporter out of 400 to interview Ruby at his trial. And what he told her then, Senator New Orleans, and, and we can get into exactly what that investigation was all about. So that was the first book, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, which I'm blessed to say was a, is a bestseller, and people still read that book very, very a great deal. Then I found the, uh, um, the Ruby Trial transcripts and put those in a book called Denial of Justice. I'd also written a book called The Poison Patriarch about Joe Kennedy fixing the 1960 election. And then I was able to connect the deaths of Marilyn in 62, Dorothy, or uh, JFK in 63, and Dorothy in 65. And I was surprised that I could do that because I didn't even know that Dorothy and Marilyn knew each other, but I was able to do that. And then uh, I hit the mother load here in February, uh, Ian, because I got a call from a gentleman who told me that he was a, a legislative assistant to the uh, Warren Commission member, Dr., uh, excuse me, Senator John Sherman Cooper of Kentucky. And uh, he said, also, Mr. Shaw, in this email, 
uh, I knew Dorothy Kilgallen. And as you can imagine, my ears perked up because there's not too many people around that would remember Dorothy. So uh, this man was uh, named Morris Wolf, a very distinguished uh, statesman and author, and used to work for Bobby Kennedy when Kennedy was in the Attorney General's office. And he starts telling me about Dorothy and the fact that he went to parties at Senator Cooper's home in Georgetown and sat right next to Dorothy Kilgallen. And I wanted to yell and scream, and I said, yeah, what? He said, yes. He described her as a bright light bulb. He said she was even invest- She was even quizzing me during uh, the meal because she wanted to know what I knew about Senator Cooper and the uh, Warren Commission and all of that, and he said, yeah, and Senator Cooper, Mr. Shaw, I rode with him to the hearings at the Warren Commission. In his sob, he was a tall man, he had trouble getting in there, but we went to the hearings, I sometimes could sit in the back and listen to what was going on, and then he started just telling me, uh, nobody's ever got inside the Warren Commission, the code of silence they had and all of that, and yet I had an eyewitness who was right there, and he started telling me about things like, the commission members know about Jack Ruby's connection to organized crime, but they don't want to touch it. It's more than Oswald, and but Hoover and Earl Warren, the chief justice, pushed the Oswald alone conclusion. Lyndon Johnson wants to cover up the truth and move on. And then other other uh, you know statements that they were going to go ahead and, and, and release the Oswald alone report uh, for God and country and all these kinds of things. And so... I was just amazed that, that Mr. Wolf told me all of that, but the main thing that he told me about Dorothy, to answer your question, is that Dorothy knew about the corruption in the Warren Commission because one of the statements was, uh, let me find it here, uh, the commission members say this Oswald conclusion is good for God and country, but there is internal corruption, and I don't know why, and that was John Sherman Cooper, who I found out was a very close friend of JFK's, uh, and, and, you know, all of that information was credible. I've been able to substantiate it through oral histories of Coopers at University of Kentucky and University of Florida. So in Fighting for Justice, all of that's in there. But the scary part of that is that Wolf told me that Dorothy knew about the corruption at the Warren Commission. So as November of 65 comes along, Ian, she not only knows about Ruby's testimony at the trial, which conflicts with his Warren Commission uh, testimony that she exposed, now she knows about the corruption and everything, and she was writing this book for Random House, uh, kind of a tell-all book about the assassination, told people, if the wrong people knew what I know about the assassination, it would cost me my life, I'm afraid for my life and country, I'm going to get a gun, and all of that, and uh, shortly after she got back from New Orleans, uh, investigating Carlos Marcello, who she believed had orchestrated JFK's death, uh, they found her dead in a... Uh, in a uh, room, in a bedroom she never slept in, wearing clothes she would have worn to go out. Three, uh, uh, an empty second all bottle was there. She had her uh, makeup on, her uh, her hairpiece, and her um, uh, you know her uh, clothes, just things that didn't make any sense. It was a stage of death scene for sure. But unfortunately, the conclusion was that she had died of an overdose. I've proven in my books that she was murdered. There were three barbiturates in her system, not just one. But now, because of the new information in Fighting for Justice, I just know how much danger she was in uh, as, as November of 1965 came along. So my question, the preliminary question is this, Mark. You, you, you have proven that she was murdered, that the, that the man that murdered her is still alive. He's been notified that you have the information. Bring us up to date in regards to that. Well, one of the great regrets in my life is that he died about four months ago. 
Uh, I had been talking with this man named Ron Pataki, who we had proven uh, was a, a, a certainly was a, a confidant of Dorothy Kilgallen's. He was a Midwest journalist. Uh, people will read about him, uh, kind of uh, looking to be with Dorothy so that he could move up in the social circles. Uh, she uh, unfortunately shared with him a lot of her JFK assassination evidence, Ian, and uh, we were able to find out that he was compromised, probably by J. Edgar Hoover, because he was Pataki was in some some trouble of some sort, and uh, compromised uh, Dorothy uh, by uh, giving, uh, we believe, uh, J. Edgar Hoover uh, information about Dorothy knowing uh, that that the whole thing with uh, with the Harvey Oswald didn't make sense. It was more than Oswald alone. Uh, she knew about Jack Ruby, and she she also told him, you know, Pataki uh, uh, called Hoover that she knew about the corruption in the Warren Commission. Well, this book she was writing for Random House would have had all that in there. And so the topper there is that, uh, unfortunately, Pataki is, is dead, a, a very uh, guilt-ridden, uh, lonely man when he died, but he died before I could put him in prison. Uh, but Dorothy, you know, she, she was the reporter who knew too much. Uh, uh, and, and therefore, you know, they, they had to silence her before she could uh, publish that book. And Marilyn was the actress who knew too much. We'll get into her in a, in a minute. But let me ask you, Mark, yeah. have you been able to attain the uh, manuscripts that Kilgallen was writing that she was planning to submit to Random House? Well, I'm, I'm sure you have regrets in your life, and I certainly do. On the morning that Dorothy died, uh, agents, and I have an eyewitness who told me this, agents or uh, agents of the FBI or agents pretending to be with the FBI uh, raided her apartment, her uh, townhouse on East 68th Street in New York City and confiscated her documents, papers, anything they could find at all, uh, cementing the fact that uh, Hoover had something to do with Dorothy's death. Those, those documents disappeared. I have been able to trail them to the New York Police Department, and uh, I've, I've used freedom of information uh, requests. I've done everything I can to get those released, but unfortunately, uh, with all of the crazy things going on in the world, uh, neither the DA in New York or the police commissioner who I met with in New York City uh, have, have been cooperative, but now that I know how much danger Dorothy was in, I'm going to go back to them to see if I can't find those documents. I'm just certain they're out there. I was hoping they would be perhaps in this new uh, group of, uh, of uh, JFK documents that were released uh, last week. But uh, so far, having combed through those documents, I don't see the, the Dorothy documents. Okay, well, well, at least you, you feel confident that they, that they likely still exist. That would be wonderful. Let's get yeah. into New Orleans. Uh, What's going on in New Orleans as opposed to New York or Miami? What was what was Kilgallen doing there? I'll tell you, you're so perceptive, and your questions are just excellent, and I appreciate it, Ian. Um, you know, people say, well, it could have been the CIA, and it could have been. It could have been the Russians. It could have been the Cubans. It could have been the military complex. It could have been uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, I mean, it could have been uh, Lyndon Johnson. And we want to talk about the Warren Commission corruption and, and how those people protected themselves. Uh, but Dorothy, after she talked to Ruby, and unfortunately we don't have the uh, the material that she wrote, although she wrote a column about it, uh, how nervous Ruby was and how scared he was and all of that. So where did she go? She went to New Orleans, and the reason she did is just common sense. Uh, I look at motive as a former criminal defense lawyer, and I've covered you know the, the trials OJ and Kobe Bryant and other trials and things, Mike Tyson, and you look at motive, and what happened? Well... 
1960, Joe Kennedy knew he was going to lose the election if they didn't win West Virginia and Illinois. So he had Frank Sinatra connect him with Sam Giancana and Carlos Marcello and some of those bad guys and told them, you help us win the election, we'll leave you alone when we get in the White House. Well, they did help, and JFK won. And then right away, I had an eyewitness at a breakfast meeting with JFK, Joe Kennedy, and Bobby Kennedy when uh, uh, Bobby, uh, when uh, Joe Kennedy ordered JFK to appoint Bobby Attorney General. And what did he do? He hated the mafia from the McClellan racketeering hearings and all of that. So what did he do? He deported, Mar deported Marcello, who had a billion-dollar uh, empire, uh, illegal empire in New Orleans, to Guatemala. He, uh, Marcello almost died. He got back in the country, and now Marcello says to himself, I got to do something about Bobby Kennedy. He could have killed Bobby Kennedy, had him killed, but what he says to himself, if I do that, JFK will come after me with everything the government has. But if I eliminate JFK, Bobby would be powerless. And the proof there is that that's exactly what happened. They never went after those guys again. And there's been some conjecture lately that, well, how did uh, Marcello orchestrate JFK's death in Dallas? Well, he did so through those uh, underlings that he had, those, those thug, thugs there, including a guy named Joe Campisi, who was actually the first person to visit uh, Jack Ruby after he was arrested in jail. And so Dorothy had figured all that out. So when she was in New Orleans, I believe she connected Marcello, Oswald, and and, uh, and then Ruby with the one who comes in and, and silences, uh, uh, silences Oswald. Ruby at trial, he won't let him testify. Uh, he makes him look crazy. And so they seal up everything, but there's only one loose end now. And that loose end for Marcello or Hoover or whoever it was, was Dorothy Kilgallen. Mark, uh, Kilgallen was hot on the trail. You're also pretty hot on on a trail. It's sounding like Carlos Marcello, you've got Traficante in, in, in Miami. I don't know who the, the kingpin was there in, 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 in New York. But Marcello's the kingpin based out of uh, out of New Orleans, and is does is is it under is does it come down to a geographic uh, a geographic jurisdiction that it, it, does Dallas whereas does does Dallas fall underneath un, under Marcello's jurisdiction if you want to take if you want to take this president out you want to take this guy out is that why it's done because is that how Marcello feeds in here? You're talking about the, the voter suppression, of course, and and and, and getting you know, you're getting the votes up. That's another issue. Uh, but I'm just I'm just throwing out is it is it is there is there a possible tie with with the the location of Dealey Plaza chosen? And I know you haven't gotten into the assassination per se. You're just getting into what uh, Kilgallen has has done and and, and kind of finishing her work. Uh, but with that, what are your thoughts in regards to that? Well, you know, I've done an awful lot of research in the last six or seven years. There's six books on touching on the assassination. Nobody has ever brought up this geographical uh, question about uh, what the mafia was doing in those days. Again, that's just that's just something I hadn't thought of a great deal, but it really was in action. For instance, uh, Melvin Belli's main client was, was Mickey Cohen, the Los Angeles gangster. He had the West Coast. Frank Costello, who was a very close friend of Marcello's, he had New York City. Sam Giancana, who was the first uh, one that uh, 
that uh, Sinatra connected Joe Kennedy with, he had Chicago in that area, and that, so therefore they could help with uh, fixing those votes in the 60 election. Marcel uh, Santo Traficante, I know you lived in Florida for a while. He was the, the he was the kingpin in Tampa and in Florida. That was his territory. And then Marcelo had New Orleans, and but it stretched on to Dallas, which is not too far away. And he was able then to control everything going on in there. And we're talking about Ill illegal activities with prostitu prostitution and gaming and everything else that was going on. You know, you can't mess around with those guys. Uh, I'll just tell you a quick story. When I was with Good Morning America uh, and a roving correspondent and a legal analyst for them, they sent me to Philadelphia because one of the other kingpins was Angelo Bruno, who had the territory of Philadelphia and Atlantic City to interview his lawyer. And that lawyer had agreed to talk to me. I was very surprised that he did because, as you know, there's a code of silence with the mafia. They don't want anybody talking about anything. But he wanted to talk about uh, gambling in New York, in, in New Orleans. So I went over there and I interviewed him. We put that on the air on Good Morning America the next morning. It was a huge hit. And so the, the producer said, Mark, go back and talk to that guy. See if he'll talk to you again. So I called his office and a woman came on and I could tell she was kind of shaken. And, uh, and then all at once I could tell she was crying. And I said, well, are you okay? I need to talk to your boss. She said, well, Mr. Shaw, he started his car this morning and it blew up. You, you can't mess around with those guys. Nick Pelleggi, uh, who, uh, you know, the author of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the book that, that became Goodfellas yeah. and, and, and so on. He gave me a wonderful endorsement for this, for fighting for justice. Yeah. And he told me one time, Mark, don't ever forget that anybody Sicilian uh, with Sicilian roots, like the guys we're talking about, their middle name is Revenge. Uh, you know, they don't mess around. They have their own rules. And you violate those rules like that, that attorney for Bruno did, and you're dead. You, you violate those rules like Joe Kennedy did, and his son ends up JFK being killed. You know, really, in many ways, and I get very emotional about this, uh, Marilyn Monroe should have never died. She got involved with Bobby Kennedy and, and JFK and then was going to go to the media with all of the uh, – with all of the uh, – uh, everything they told her, including some national security. They couldn't let her live. She should have never died. Uh, JFK should have never died. It was Bobby who was the one that caused all the trouble. And then with, with Dorothy, I mean, that's just a sad situation because she just ended up getting right in the middle of all of that. And her reports and her columns and her threat to, to write the book and everything is what sealed her fate. So, Mark, it, 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 your research shows that, that a day, if I've got this right, a day before Marilyn dies, there's a there's an FBI release and, and and part of that document is that she was what was she was being watched or monitored because of what you just said that she was going to be distributing information to uh, the media is that right can you talk a little bit more about that have I got that right well it was a, it was actually a CIA document but I had it wrong first to, to, uh, as well it was a CIA document and uh, you know what's interesting about this is that at the middle of everything going on. Uh, and and it, it's right in the middle of the Warren Commission corruption, which I hope we can talk about in just a little bit, is Joe Kennedy. Uh, you know, Joe knew that Dorothy, uh, that the Marilyn Monroe and JFK were having an affair after she sang happy birthday to him at, or at, uh, at Madison Square Garden, that famous photo of her doing that. But he put a stop to that. And so who was next? Because Dorothy Kilgallen wrote an article about Marilyn the day before she died. And this was my clue to investigating Marilyn's death. She said, 
Marilyn is on the upswing. She's going to Hollywood parties. Uh, she's uh, involved with somebody who's a bigger name than her, uh, than New York slugger uh, Joe DiMaggio. And so I said to myself, well, who's the bigger name? Well, it's JFK, but that affair was over, and then I looked into Bobby. And this CIA document uh, shows that there was uh, wiretapping of Marilyn and uh, Bobby Kennedy's phone calls. Uh, in fact, some wiretapping of, of Dorothy's as well. But it also it showed that uh, this torrid love affair had taken place between Bobby Kennedy and Robert Kennedy in the summer of 1962, just before Marilyn died, to the event that, uh, to the extent that uh, Bobby had promised Marilyn he was going to divorce his wife Ethel and marry Marilyn Monroe, which sounds outrageous, but that's what the report said. And then in the document, it also says that uh, Marilyn was had had it with the Kennedys. They were they both had dumped her, and she felt like a piece of meat, and so she was going to the media uh, with uh, that information, and also the fact that. Uh, uh, either through pillow talk or e being so, uh, their egos or whatever, the Kennedys had told her that JFK, uh, his administration, was planning the assassination of, of Fidel Castro. Well, it would have been enough if she went to the media about the romances, but uh, they couldn't let her talk about these matters of national security. I mean, them, them telling her about it was, in, in effect, somewhat uh, treason. And so uh, they had to, to get rid of uh, Marilyn. Now, on the day she died, I proved that Bobby Kennedy was not in San Francisco. He was in L.A. He and Peter Lawford. I have accounts of them uh, being right there, uh, very ver verifiable accounts. And they went to her home. They begged her not to go to the media. And when she refused, um, you know, she was dead uh, later on. And I have a new account in Fighting for Justice by a woman who uh, was very close to the to those uh, those uh, I don't know what you call them thugs that Bobby Kennedy was associated with. The Kennedy family was associated with, and she describes in in terms that I don't like to, to, to talk about over the air because they're so um, nasty in terms of how they set up the killing of Marilyn Monroe after Bobby Kennedy, uh, when he left Marilyn's uh, uh, house in Brentwood, California, left the window open so they could get in. So I've proved that Bobby Kennedy was complicit in Marilyn's death. And again, you know, um, she just played with fire. And those Kennedys were so powerful, no investigation. Joe Kennedy covered that up as well. So let's get into the uh, Warren Commission, Earl Warren, Supreme Justice, uh, Supreme Court Justice. Uh, you, you, you talk about the, the corruption. The first thing that comes to my mind, Mark, is this. And you've got J. Edgar Hoover, uh, who appears frequently in the, this, this recent edition in your, in your book. Um, uh, uh, he, was, he, was, he was definitely controlling strings. But the name that comes to my mind is Alan Dulles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one who who likes to you know believe in in uh, in uh, every, you know the absolute truth is out there no matter what, and I've found it and everything else like that. No question in my mind, being a Dorothy believer uh, and and trying to follow up on how she researched and everything out. The Marcella was was had orchestrated JFK's death. People can read Fighting for Justice and make up their own mind. Regarding the Warren Commission, that that was a big shock to me when. Morris Wolf told me about Senator Cooper's uh, allegations and everything. And uh, so I went back and I looked at, uh, which I hadn't done, and I, I, I apologize for, I should have, look at the uh, audio, taped here, uh, audio taped accounts of uh, J. Edgar Hoover and LBJ talking uh, on the day that, uh, the day of seven days after JFK was killed, 
about a, a, a commission. They didn't want it being investigated in Congress. They didn't want it being investigated in Texas. They won their own private investigation. And so they go down through these uh, candidates, you might say, looking for the ones that they can control that will go ahead, especially Hoover, uh, that will say hey, it was Oswald alone. Why does Hoover do that? If it's a, uh, a nut like Oswald uh, acting alone, then the FBI can't be held accountable. If it's a plot to kill the president, then the FBI can be held. So he's got a lot to protect there. And what do they do? They look at the different uh, individuals. They look at Senator Cooper, for instance, who was a very close friend of JFK's. He and his wife um, were the first ones that JFK and Jackie uh, invited to the White House. I've got a wonderful tribute in Fighting for Justice to uh, about uh, Senator Cooper by Jackie. He was an honest man. He was a, uh, a man of, of, of integrity, just like Dorothy Kilgallen, all that kind of thing. So they go down through and they look at these different senators, they look at the different congressmen, and they look at all these people, and they land on some of them, and they land on uh, some of them they don't want. Jacob Javits of New York, he'll go to the media. We don't want him. We don't want this person. And then they, they land on Alan Dulles. And good God, uh, LBJ says, to Hoover, well, what do you think? And Hoover says, well, he's a good man. We need him on there. So they put him on there, and what does he do? And and there's no question, because I have it right in front of me here, documents that nobody's ever seen, written by Senator Cooper. I looked at his oral histories, and I found these documents. And it was Alan Dulles who steered the commission away from the CIA. He didn't want any investigation of the CIA being involved in JFK's death. Were they? They really could have been. There's no question about that. I still wonder about the proof of that. But here's what uh, uh, Senator Cooper wrote in a memo, a Senate memo, 12-5-63. That's December the 5th, which is 8, 13 days, something like that, after JFK died. Uh, Earl Warren asked me about the CIA. Do they have anything? When I told him about Oswald in Mexico and Nicaragua, he said, you don't want to mention that. He knew all I did and more about the CIA, but he didn't want anybody to know about that. And then you get the Kennedys into this, uh, blocking the investigation, because what they were worried about was Bobby, uh, an investigation of Bobby and the Marilyn Monroe death, J uh, Joe Kennedy fixing the 60 election. So he writes, something, something strange is happening. Earl Warren and Katzenbach, that's Nicholas Katzenbach, who became attorney general when RFK um, resign. Know all about the FBI and the CIA, and they are apparently, even though uh, they know that, they are they and others are pla planning to show Oswald was the only one who could be considered. This is an untenable position. I must insist on outside counsel, and that's when I have this document in there where he submitted his res his resignation. He didn't send it because he was loyal to the commission and so on and so forth. But the kicker there, and I don't want to forget to, to tell you this, what I found is that uh, Richard Russell, who was a senator from Georgia, and Cooper uh, decided that they needed a dissent or a minority report, as they called it from the documents I have, uh, in, in the final report that would say, we don't believe in the single bullet theory. We don't believe in the Oswald alone theory. And they were guaranteed by LBJ and Hoover that would be in the final report, and it wasn't. Now think about, Ian, how history would have changed if that dissent and minority report had been in there. The, the whole Oswald alone, you know, 
uh, that's all it is. Oswald alone in the final report would have been changed where there would have been questions asked. And people ask me all the time, how is this relevant today? And I say, well, what happened back then? There weren't enough questions asked about Dorothy's death, Marilyn's death, and especially the JFK assassination of the Warren Commission because they needed to ask these questions then. The questions weren't asked then. And so we were, uh, the, the, I think it's the most alarming uh, example of government governmental corruption in history, the Warren Commission. They, they lied and they knew they lied, all of these seven people, including Cooper. It wasn't the truth, and they led everybody to believe the big lie uh, to this day. So it, it's, it's interesting that I was able to come up with some of these documents because you're right. Um, you know, Alan Dulles uh, was the bad that was the main bad guy here because he basically just moved the, the commission in a direction where anything other than an investigation of the CIA, CIA was conducted. Yeah, and, and, and the thing that comes to mind from from uh, listening to and, and, and reading other other folks that have done in, an investigation on that particular assassination is that JFK had, had fired Dulles uh, before he had. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're, you're on top of this. I mean, can you imagine that? You know, this, this whole situation, I mean, you've got, you've got members on this commission uh, who, you know, are being, being controlled, and I don't mean that word lightly, by J. Edgar Hoover, basically. Johnson, yes, but Hoover. He wants people on there that he can, he can control. Well, he knows he can control, uh, you know, Alan Dulles. Because, as you know, Hoover had this little black book, although it wasn't little, of dirt on everybody. The Kennedys, uh, uh, you know, uh, Johnson, uh, everybody, you know, including Dulles. He, he knew everything, and so he can control all of these people. You know, one of the reasons that Cooper offered to resign is because, as Morris Wolf told me, they didn't even invite him to some of the hearings where there was witness testimony. He said, I sat in the back of the hearings waiting for Senator Cooper, and it wasn't the members who were asking the question. It was the uh, staff that was doing that. And the reason that, that happened is because Hoover could control those people. So, you know, the whole situation with, uh, with Hoover deciding and, and uh, deciding that they were only going to – there wasn't going to be a commission in Congress or in Texas or anything like that. It was going to be uh, one that they could control. And uh, Dulles was right in the middle of all of that. Let me throw a name out for you, Mark, and and, and, and tell me if it tell me if it's, it sticks or if you you've heard it, come across it. Okay. Uh, the name is Francis Spellman. It's not a name that I'm I'm aware of. Uh, I, I I would be interested in what you know about it and what I've missed. Well, this is what I understand, and 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 and, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about Frank Sinatra. Um, and how Frank Sinatra ties into this. But Francis Spellman somehow was a was a was a cardinal uh in, in New York. Oh yes. In New York City, right? Yes. Correct. Yes, that's I didn't I didn't know about the cardinal part. You're right, exactly. Interesting. Go ahead. So one of the things that had interested me, uh uh and, and this has been a number of months, but Here's a photo that I come across, and and, and, and I'm not sure uh, uh, why I was researching it, but I come across a photo of um, this guy Spellman standing between uh, JFK and Nixon. So you've got you've got you know two competitors here going for one office, um, and you've got kind of this this guy hosting a dinner party. 
um, in New York City um, with the two rivals kind of shaking hands. You can find it on public searches. It's a it's a fairly common photo. But then what I ask myself at this point is, okay, if we're looking at some of these mafia uh, 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 under under uh, hidden, if you will, hidden organizational uh, uh, power, uh, uh, even manipulation. Right? It's it's a, 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 a manipulative uh, endeavors uh, on 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 governmental affairs. Okay, we know this, right? We uh, JFK, uh, whatever deals are going on. And I have to ask myself. Um, how does that equate? If it does equate, how does it equate to uh, to a person like this Spellman that's got quite a bit of uh, clout um, in his religion, but also now he's moving into politics because he's yeah he's got got this photo right. So so anyway, so that that's that's where I was going with that. You can expand on some of your thoughts if you'd like. Um, otherwise, Mark, uh, tell listeners a little bit about how uh frank sinatra now 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 when you when you when you when you go through this book uh fighting for justice uh one of one of the photos that 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 really caught my eye mark was was uh 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 uh, uh, norma jean norma jean uh uh marilyn monroe's or her stage name uh with uh with uh, elvis presley and i think uh, they're just they're just kids you know like 10 11 they're just kids I had no idea that those two people knew each other at that age. But uh, you can comment on that. Go ahead. For a minute, because I think you hit on something that's interesting. You know, uh, I'm always fascinated with, um, you know, uh, the, the whole situation in Italy with regard to the, uh, the Vatican and the Pope and all of that and how they just basically uh, were enablers when Mussolini uh, took over there. Uh, they knew the truth about what was happening uh, with with the terrible, terrible, um, you know, killings of the Jews and all that other kind of stuff. But they just kind of dismissed it off to the side, you know. Well, well, it it can't be that bad, and so on and so forth, and and then on on up to Hitler. I mean, they were enablers, and that's been proven for sure that the, the several of the of the popes at that time, especially one. Uh, this whole Catholic Church situation, you know, and the Kennedys were deeply into the Catholic Church. Um, and, and all of that uh, has always uh, concerned me. If I decide to write another book at some particular point, I don't know that I will, I'm going to deep uh, look more into the whole connection between the Catholic Church and the underworld. Because Sinatra always um, you know, bragged that he was, well, I might not be Catholic, but I'm like I'm Catholic. And, uh, and all of that. And he was such a bad guy. And so this whole thing with Spellman being with Nixon and Kennedy, you know, he's he's trying to play both sides of the of the of the uh, of the of the aisle in terms of what he's doing. And I, I think I'll look more in, and I appreciate. it. I think I'll look more into uh, Cardinal Spellman. I assume there's a good biography written of him, and I'll see if I can't take a look at that. So I think you might have landed on something there because that connection, uh, that protection by the uh, by the Catholic Church and so on and so forth of those underworld characters, obviously a lot of money. Frank Costello in New York was feeding a lot of money into the Catholic Church, and that was interesting, so I I appreciate your doing that. As far as Sinatra goes, I devoted two chapters of him in Fighting for Justice. Uh, you know, Sinatra was a mafia wannabe. In the book, I've got 
uh, you know, his his uh, photograph with uh, several mafioso. I mean, he, he was like Melvin Belli. He liked to say, well, I didn't have anything to do with the mafia, but the photograph, you know, they, they say otherwise. He loved to be thought about that. Belli used to go to Las Vegas and, and hang out with the mafia. That's what Sinatra did, you know, and, and he knew all those guys, uh, you know, that were, were uh, it, it, you know, talking to him one day and helping him his career go forward and then killing all these other people and, and all of that. You know, Mafia back then, too, it's interesting, uh, Ian, uh, uh, Mafia people, Mafia guys were kind of celebrities back then. You know, they couldn't be that bad, you know, Al Capone and all that. And, uh, and so they were kind of celebrities. And so, um, you know, Sinatra hangs out with those guys. And then, of course, when uh, Joe Kennedy calls him and say, hey, we need some help in Chicago and West Virginia, you know, and Sinatra wants to, you know, get in close with the Kennedys, and so he helps them put a, a, a you know connection into Marcello and uh, Giancana, Traficati, who had money, whatever it was. I mean, uh, you talk about uh, people having problems with the 2020 election uh, and people voting twice. Hell, they got people in Chicago to vote about 50 times, you know, for, for Kennedy so that they could win the election. And so, you know, Sinatra uh, got away with all of that, except there was one woman who wasn't uh, letting them get away with anything, and that was Dorothy Kilgallen. They were actually friends uh, early in his career. Uh, uh, Dorothy used to go to uh, Barbara Walters' father's uh, nightclub in New York City when that when Sinatra first appeared there, and she promoted his career in her column. There's a, there's a picture in Fighting for Justice of the two of them together, just uh, as, as happy as they can be, but then she turned on him. She talked, started talking about the bimbos he was dating and how he was a womanizer and how he was involved in the mafia and all of that. He struck back and said, well, she was the chinless wonder. You know, she wasn't pretty. She was ugly. She didn't have a chin. Uh, he used a joke in his Las Vegas uh, acting and it said, hey, if you run into Dorothy Kilgallen, do it with a bus. I mean, it really got nasty between both of them. Because she wasn't going to put up with all of the ball that Sinatra was getting away with and everything like that. So uh, I put that I put that in Fighting for Justice because it, it, it's so interesting. People should know the background of the man who connected Joe Kennedy uh, with the mafia. And there's more in there about him in terms of the kind of person he was and how he hung out with the Kennedys. I, I quoted a book in uh, Fighting for Justice, The Kennedy Neurosis. And it was written in 1973, and I'm very careful to use material that's close to the assassination. And it talks about the Kennedys and why they were sexual predators, that Joe Kennedy brought them up that way, and how they treated women, and how they treated their, their wives and their mother, and all that kind of thing. And Sinatra was thrown in with that, because he was just a womanizer who had one woman at a time, or four, many women at a time, and then just threw them away. And, and, you know, he got jilted himself, as you may know, by, by JFK, because when uh, they wanted, uh, when JFK was going to stay at Sinatra's home, uh, Joe Kennedy put a stop to that and uh, in, in Palm Springs and said, no, you didn't, don't need to hang out with a, with a mobster wannabe like Sinatra. And Sinatra was banned from being involved with the Kennedys. So it's a, it's a, it's a, I call it a cesspool of, of uh, snakes that, that Marilyn Monroe got involved with, and that's why she died. And she was the actress that knew too much, and you have you have brought together. Yeah, when 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 we first when we first did an episode about the reporter who knew too much, I I don't I don't know about you, Mark, but I I I never thought 
I never thought you'd be connecting so many different dots here, uh, bringing in so uh, many different players. No, no, neither did I. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, uh, the Commonwealth Club of San Francisco, I gave a talk there about a week ago, and uh, the man used the term uh, crowdsourcing. And I frankly didn't know what it was. And he said when he was introducing me, well, Mark, what happens is you, you put your material out there and everything, and then you hear from a lot of people who give you tips and ideas and large upon what you've uh, found out and all of this. And that is very much true. I mean, I'm so fortunate. I think there's about 8 million um, YouTube views of my presentations and, and uh, interviews, including one at the Commonwealth Club that has like 400,000 uh, views in, in a week. And so what I hear then, and I'll bet I hear it when your uh, program airs, I hear from people who give me tips about things, like Morris Wolf. He watched a presentation of mine at a Dallas library, and that's why he got a hold of me, because he noticed the name Dorothy Kilgallen. So I'm benevolent to, um, to, to, to men of the truth like you, who put me on the program, because I'm sure that I will hear from people who give me more information that I haven't had. I'm telling you, it's interesting. I don't know if you remember the uh, in, in the film The Irishman, uh, De Niro, and, and that particular film, which was such a hit about the mafia and everything, and Jimmy Hoffa. There's a, there's a dangerous underworld character named Russell Buffalano. And today, as a matter of fact, I got an email from a guy who said, Mr. Shaw, you need to talk to me. I, I knew I was a very close friend of Russell Buffalano. <laughs> These things just come out of the sky somewhere or another, although I will tell you, and people sometimes think I'm crazy, I think Dorothy sent me some of this information. Well, that's, yeah. Isn't I mean, that wild? Yeah, there's something's going on here, Mark. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a very blessed man, that's for sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Shaw. Mark, you have thrown uh, listeners say uh, a, a lot of information, a lot of stuff to, uh, to dig on. Um, so I want to leave you with some final uh, final thoughts, some final words, and uh, where people can find uh, find your book, order your book, uh, and uh, go to your website, whatever it may be. Well, thank you. The website is markshawbooks.com, markshawbooks.com. My email is mshawin at yahoo.com. I answer every single email that comes into my box because, again, uh, you know, I want to communicate with people. If they're going to take enough time to find my email and all that, I get back to them and I, I find all this new information. The book is everywhere, uh, just like yours will be, I'm sure. But I think we both agree, you know, sure, you can buy it on Amazon. But if you can, go to an independent bookstore because they're still suffering from uh, post, you know, from the whole pandemic situation. And so I, I urge people to go there. Uh, and I also then urge people, uh, when they read it, after they read it, to send me an email. Uh, give me criticism, give me praise, whatever you want to do. But uh, please get in touch with me at that time. And Mark, I just mentioned one name to you. It's, he's a former guest on the show. He resides in uh, South Florida. His name is Gerald Posner. Uh, yes, I know who that is. You know Gerald. Okay. Or you know who he is. Yeah. Uh, Mark, until next time, thank you very much for rejoining the show, Discuss Your Truth, keep up the great work, and uh, looking forward to uh, talking to you soon. Well, thank you so much, and good luck with the book. Make sure you tell me when it's uh, going to be released, okay? Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Bye-bye. Mark Shaw, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this man is incredible. Uh, and you, <laughs> he is, you know, they, there's a term, right? There's a term out there. And I never, never, uh, research, uh, reading and writing is something that, that's always come natural, I suppose, uh, to me. Uh, 
when I was working on uh, undergraduate degree, which is uh, what I've got, uh, it was you know, it was just it was so easy uh, getting through these uh, these uh, these these reading and writing soci- sociology classes. They did, they were just so easy. But um, anyway, I mean the the, the, the research. You, you kind of have to have a nose, right? You have to know, you have to have a nose, uh, for, uh, for, for, for these, for, for some of these things. And, 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 and of course, uh, 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 it's kind of like a, like a, like a, a hound, right? A dog, uh, or a bulldog. These are kind of, um, these are terms that are, that are, that are frequently, uh, thrown out for, for an investigative journalist, if you will. And, 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 and all, all of us are in, in our own right or can be. Uh, investigative journalists. Um, I, I certainly never, never saw myself uh, being a being a journalist, and I, I don't consider myself a journalist. Uh, investigator, researcher, podcaster. I, I'm just I'm just a guy, just an American. Uh, I'm just an American citizen that uh, that uh, that 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 uh, I'm, I'm a freedom warrior. Okay, I'm a freedom warrior. I'm a justice warrior. Um, I don't. I don't take kind to, um, to, to injustice, if you will. Uh, I don't ca- take kind to that kind of thing. So, um, I try to live my life by a, a high level of mo- uh, moral conduct in regards to, uh, truth speaking, right. In that regard. Now, uh, the moral conduct is, uh, subjective, uh, uh but, let's all live by our constitutional freedoms, uh, in that regard, right? Morally, the constitution is uh, the most, in my opinion, perfect document ever written, devised by, by men, uh, my opinion, but seeking out and finding the truth. Hence, I opened the show with seek and destroy. Now in early days, I used to open with grateful dead and some other tunes, but it's been, it's been a solid uh, four and a half years that I've been opening with seek and destroy. Um, and, uh, 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 and that is to seek out and destroy corruption on all levels. Uh, and it runs rampant folks. Uh, and, and it, and it relies on you. It really does. It relies on you, me, Mark, um, Mary Mahenny, for instance, she was the very first guest to join the show, uh, back in, uh, January, I think it was January, one of the first days of January. In 2017, that was the very first show ever conducted uh, on uh, what became known as Discussions of Truth. Uh, then it was the Florida Sun and Spray show on Windwood Radio. Uh, it quickly, within the first number of months, became Discussions of Truth because uh, the uh, Adrian, the one of the managers of Windwood Radio, which I think is now debunked or they've gone on a, I'm not sure what they do now. Uh, but he labeled it, I think I had just gotten off the phone, uh, gotten off the line doing a show with, uh, Ray, uh, uh, former CIA operative, uh, pardon me for not recalling the, the name. Um, but I just gotten off the, just gotten off the phone doing a, uh, it was right, right by the, uh, the equalizer, uh, just done a show. Um, and Adrian comes in. Um, and he says, you know what you're, what you're doing are, uh, discussions of truth, Ian, these are discussion of truth. Um, and, and it just kind of stuck. Um, and I says, okay, yeah, you know what, um, Ray McGovern, uh, that was June 7th, 
2018. So maybe it wasn't Ray. Had it been that long? I don't know. You're looking at a year and a half. Perhaps it had been a year and a half before that name discussed the truth stuck. I'm not sure. But uh, I think it was probably after doing that show in studio um, that uh, that Adrian came up to me and said, yeah, this is discussed the truth. So it stuck. Uh, but there's been some great. This is Mark's fourth time joining the show. Um, and again, he is the reason that uh, Freedom Reserve No More Lies was written. And he's the reason that uh, I'm working on my on my second book, which is really going to delve into some of these uh, uh, these 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 legal justifying uh, uh, orations or rather uh, identities that developed from orations of ancient Greece, of uh, Athens, Plato. I'm going to dive, dive into that, Aristotle, Socrates. I'm going to dive into that a little bit in the second book. So as a little teaser, I'm going to dive a little bit, little bit into that. Now, Plato's Republic, of course, is incredibly difficult to understand. Uh, in, uh, in Mark's book, uh, Fighting for Justice, his newest edition, um, Ulysses is the name of it, uh, is, is something that I guess Marilyn Monroe had read. Um, it is, uh, that's another, yeah, these, these, these old Athenian works that's based off of, uh, the Odyssey, I believe, um, these old kind of, uh, orations, and I'm not sure if that's an oration per se, I'm calling it an oration, uh, are very difficult to, to understand and decipher, but I'm going to get, get into that a little bit in, in the second book, um. But, you know, for instance, in November 14th, 2018, Judy Mikovits comes onto the show. And, and she's, this is, folks, this is a year and a half. This is two years, a uh, year and a half. This is a year and a half. This is a year and a half before the, the COVID-19 uh, issue starts spreading, right? This is, a year, this is a year and a half before that. And Judy Mikovits is coming on the show. She's the virologist, of course. And she says, America needs a revolution. That is how dire that woman of course, I believe was jailed for publishing her own research. Uh, the other, the other thing I want to mention to Mark is the name Anthony Sutton, Stanford. And uh, if you've ever listened and followed the research that I do, Anthony Sutton is really the the backbone upon which I do all of my work. Um, you know, he. Uh, uh, <laughs> what's interesting is that Mark had mentioned both sides. You know, he he's visualizing. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've seen the photo or not, but with this guy Spellman. And JFK and Nixon, right? He's got Spellman in the middle, and he's got two politicians, conflicting politicians on each side of him. Um, and he's saying controlling both sides. You can, I mean, that's paraphrasing what Mark said. I believe that's exactly what he just said. And what came to my mind, I didn't didn't think to mention it to him. What came to my mind, and I may follow up with him, but what came to my mind was the Hegelian dialectic, Frederick Hegel. And that's exactly what Aunt Sutton talks about, is controlling both sides. You create a conflict, and you control both sides. Regardless of the uh, of the outcome of the conflict, as long as you're c- controlling both sides or all sides of a conflict, you, you win, <laughs> right? <laughs> you win. So that's uh, that's a that's a Hegelian dialectic in a nutshell. But you know, this is uh, these are these are these. If you go to my website, iantrotier.com, that's T R O T T I E R. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts, former guest, uh, Cynthia McKinney, Paul Hellier, rest in peace. Uh, he and I share the same birthday. Uh, he recently passed away. Nomi Prince, John Perkins, Stephen Kinzer. These are all people that 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 have that that have allowed me to host them. And uh, like I said, the, the work that Mark does is is incredible. That that I believe is our fourth 
our fourth edition, and I know that he speaks uh, with the Commonwealth Club there in San Francisco, a city that's very important to me. I've got a long, long history in that city um, frequently. So um, anyway, please go to intrajay.com. Um, this isn't a uh, this isn't a moneymaker for me, folks. If you feel inclined to make a donation, I, I urge you to do that. To do that, uh, and um, and 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 I I've got some advertisements running for uh, Mike Lindell and his efforts to uh, bring the light fraud in, in, the, in the election process. Regardless of whether you like him or not, uh, I think his work is important. Uh, uh, the the other the other thing I urge you to do is purchase Google leaks, a whistleblower's expose of big tech, big tech censorship. That's Zach Voorhees and uh, Kent Heckenlively, two friends of mine. Uh, you can buy that uh, book at Skyhorse Publishing. Um, My Chronic Silver is another product that I endorse. You can use the, the code Trottier. Uh, if you order uh, uh, some of that, you can take it orally. Uh, great products. Uh, Provision, Provision GSH. Uh, uh, glutathione is another product that uh, that I endorse uh, and urge you to uh, to consume that. Um, you can order a signed copy of my upcoming book, 50 bucks. Just write me personally. When I get my copies in, I'll send you one signed. I've got uh, somebody in Minnesota that's got 10 copies standing by for him. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, the other thing that you'll find out is, is, uh, is uh, uh, that uh, in 2020, uh, it was the it was the fifteenth of October, as a matter of fact. Uh, I was with Zach Voorhees. We, I had been invited to a fundraiser for uh, uh, the then president uh, Donald Trump, uh, and um, and and folks, I urge you not to take sides politically. I, 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 I both both parties, uh, both parties are uh, very corrupt. Uh, so if you can you can not take sides, I, I think that would be that would behoove you. But that that's up to your that's up to you. It's your choice. Um, as long as you fight to preserve constitutional rights is really bottom line of what I care for personally. But, uh, I was in, uh, Miami, I was in Doral and uh, I'd been invited to this fundraiser. We end up meeting, uh, the president's daughter, Tiffany. And, uh, uh she, uh, I, I look her square in the eyes. I look her square in the eye. Hey, when you look at somebody like that, sometimes you, you feel you reach their soul, right? You can kind of feel the, the flame, the internal flame that burns, if that makes sense. And, and that is an experience that I, that I had with Tiffany Trump. And I says, get this message. That was Voorhees' message about exposing Google. Uh, I said, get this to your father. Well, a few hours later, uh, we're still at Doral. We're uh, having some food and drinks. And um, the uh, president came walking in with the Secret Service, ladies and gentlemen. The announcement was made. Secret Service swarmed the, 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 the area. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the president of the United States, the president came walking in with Tiffany by his side and she walked him right up to Zach, made the introduction. And then he, there's probably 200 people in the room pivots to me. And he, I've got this video on the website, he pivots to me and he says, Hey, who's this guy? He looks like a prize fighter. So that was, it was, I took it, I took it as a compliment. I think it was probably the, the tall brimmed hat that I was wearing in support of his presidency. Um, uh, and I took that as a compliment, um, but it's, yeah, it's nice to uh, have one of the most powerful people on the planet, if you will, uh, to refer uh, to make that type of a uh, comment. So that, that's something that I experienced. Look, I, Social Media Freedom Foundation, I've spoken to Ron DeSantis a couple times about that. I've mentioned some of the other names that I've spoken to about that. And, 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 and all I can say, folks, is this, is that um, the 
the purity, if you will, the justice, the balance, uh, the freedoms that we enjoy uh, in this country. We were very, very fortunate. We're very blessed, if you will, uh, to live in this country, which, uh, which is very important to me. It relies on you. Its health relies on you. It relies on me. It relies on men like Mark. Unfortunately, it, reminds on, or it, it relies on people like Dorothy and Marilyn and John. And, and, and you know, we all make mistakes in life, don't we? But at the, at the end of the day, if, 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 if you simply make the decision to do something with your, with your days to make the world a little bit better place, I think that's really all that can be asked, right? That's, that's, that's all that can be asked. Um, so I, I appreciate you for listening to me. Please share with a friend, family member. Uh, if you uh, if you celebrate uh, Christmas, uh, Christ Mass, if you celebrate Christ Mass uh, during this time of year, Merry Christmas to you. If you celebrate Hanukkah, uh, Happy Hanukkah. If you don't celebrate anything, uh, Happy Nothing. <laughs> uh, if you uh, if you celebrate the Winter Solstice, which is which happens to be today. Uh, and I think the actual solstice is happening in about 30, uh, 29 minutes, according to my clock. Um, and that means that the, uh, that means that the, uh, that, that, it, that, that this is the shortest day of the year. <laughs> and that is today, December 21st of 2020 is the shortest day of the year, um, which is the winter solstice, right? So, uh, you, you know, if, if you correlate sun and sun, like S U N to S O N, um, Former guest of mine, Jordan Maxwell, is 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 a wonderful guest, um, and he speaks extensively about uh, that sort of thing. So uh, this is the umbrella that we all flourish under, right? The respect and love for each other's religion. At least it should be. You don't have to embrace it. You don't have to agree with it. It's tolerated. Okay. The Judeo-Christian values that this country was founded upon are, are incredibly important, right? Um, but what are more important, right, are those those democratic, diplomatic uh, values of representing. I mean, it's that's the lifelong struggle, right? Whether it's uh, Robin Hood, that's it, the lifelong struggle. Is this great balancing act to make everyone, you know, if you, if you if you're part of a government, then, then you know, get your roads paved. Get some basic care taken care of, health care, whatever it may be. Um, be fed, you know. Get some of these basics. Now, now these are these are made available. Uh, uh, you know, these are things that any American typically has some some type of a door open for them if they are in need, right? And there's, uh, but but this is again, that's the yeah, that's what I'm what I'm equating that that word to is. The vote, right? So, so, so if you vote of a politician in there, it's going to re- best represent you. Let's make sure that's a clean process. And uh, uh, I, I, I certainly, I don't say that I don't vote because I do, but, but, uh, but I will say, I will say that that uh, that's not, it's not a clean process. It's not a clean process, and and, and it's up to you to make a difference and make sure it gets cleaned out. Seek and destroy corruption. 
So during this, uh, during this uh, winter month, anyway, this is, I think, the first day of winter. Um, maybe wrong in that, but it is the shortest day of the, the year. Um, happy holidays. Happy holidays to you and yours. Um, and, uh, you know, may you have a wonderful closure to your 2022. And may you have an incredible opening and duration of 2023. Um, and uh, until next time, um, folks, this has been another discussion of truth. Go right now to your local bookstore. If you must, order it online. But if you can, go down to your local store and purchase Mark's latest book, Fighting for Justice, The Improbable Journey to Exposing Cover-Ups about the JFK assassination and the death of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgannon. And by the way, Nick Pelleggi, the guy that basically wrote the story that became known as the Goodfellas, his quote about Mark's work is this. The compelling story of Dorothy Kilgallen, the celebrated journalist once called the most powerful female voice in America. And that's what he wrote in regards to uh, the reporter who knew too much. Buy the book. Uh, Mark supports me. I support him. We have been, uh, I, I consider him somebody I trust. I don't know, you know, we're, we, we've met once, so that makes us friends, I suppose. But I, um, I think incredibly highly of Mark Shaw. I think incredibly highly of him. Please buy his book. Buy for a friend. Continue following what he does. Because he's a hard hitter. So, wrapping up another discussion of truth, folks. Until next time, this is Ian Trottier. Uh, and uh, you can follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter. It's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Go to my website, iantrottier.com. Uh, uh, until next time, folks, be awesome.